Nintendos. The Bucks got all the right steps in Charleston. They now can try their slipper and see if it fits at the big ball. East Tennessee State Buccaneers, they're dancing, boys. Hunter Muscaro, Perea lays it up. 1.4. Perea hits it. The pass is caught. Ready for the game winner. Wide left. Bucks win. Nook is spotting for three. The place is going to erupt. Oh, Deuce Bello. He's going to make Sports Center with an incredible. Jarvis Jones, the game winner, got it. Ball game. East Tennessee State's going to leave. They got him. If he catches it, it's over. Ball game. Touchdown, Jawan Stinson. 25 yards. J.J. German for the win. He got it. J.J. German and the Bucks have shocked the Bulldogs. And the sidekick. Say hello to my little friend. What's your name, man? I told you. It doesn't matter what your name is. You're handsome. You have the perfect amount of scruff. And you still have no talent. It's Sandos and the Sidekick on the Buccaneers Sports Network. Good Wednesday, Jay Sandos, Mike Gallagher. Another exciting episode of Sandos and the Sidekick. A lot going on today. We're going to unpack the comments from head coach Randy Sanders from his Monday press conference. One of my favorite segments, the Top 25 FCS. We'll talk about that. And Wade Brenner, the play-by-play man, longtime athletic communications director, at VMI, a graduate as well, knows about everything there is to know about VMI over the last 35 years or so, so we'll be able to talk to Wade and uh, a lot going on. And maybe fitting ETSU playing a military school because back uh, in 2001, ETSU was scheduled the week of September 11th to play VMI because of the tragic events. We'll talk about that in a second. Of what went down, they had to move that game, and ETSU actually played VMI on Thanksgiving Day. They played the ne- the last week of the season or the week after the season would have ended. Everybody moved it back a week, and they played Thanksgiving. So maybe fitting it kind of fell at this time. I'm sure it's just sort of a happen chance that it went that way. But certainly we want to remember everything that happened and what it meant to the history of uh, our country, our nation, everything like that. And uh, everyone, I think, knows where they are. Mike, you know where you were? I do. Coming out of seventh grade media class, I think, is when we all found out. And it was even for 11- and 12-year-olds because I was 12 at the time. I think really a jarring event and of course people across the nation those in New York those with family connected friends connected and even people that had no real connection at all aside from being an American certainly felt that very deeply and still feel it today but I I don't want to say a whole lot about it Um, I really think it had much more of an impact directly on you than so many other people in the country yeah and I think the 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 two biggest takeaways of this number one um I was actually staying, I was working, coming off a third shift, and Richard Church, who was one of my college buddies, hanging out with all the time, is now the uh, principal at Cloudland High School, does the play clock for us at the football stadium, a referee around town. Him and his wife have been married maybe a a year or two, and they had bought a house, and uh, their first house, very proud of it. They needed to get carpet changed out, and they said, but somebody has to be there from eight to four or whatever it is and he was like hey do you hate to ask but can you just come over and sleep on my couch and when the guy gets there just let him in to put the carpet or whatever and i was like sure and then i remember laying there and then the guy called me because i had my contact to tell me that he had unfortunately been in a car accident and so i'd only been asleep an an hour or two he called said hey i I was just in a fender bender i'm not gonna be able to make it today um can you just tell him we'll have to reschedule and i was like sure I'll, i'll get ready to go home and I noticed I had a bunch of phone calls and and uh, text was just starting to come in back then, and a bunch of people were leaving voicemails and stuff. And I'm like, Holly, half these people I know are not up at seven thirty eight in the morning. Right. Like, why are they sending me messages? 
And then all of a sudden you turn on the TV, and I'm like, oof, I better head home. So, of course, I head home, and then you're, you're following the, the action. And I still have VHS tapes that at some point uh, I just put in the VCR and hit record and still have like eight hours worth of wow. tape that I, I, I've always wanted to go back and watch, but I've just never had the, the – I don't know. I've just never done it. Uh, I don't know that I want to do it, but at the time. The second thought process was on August 28th that year, my eight years ran up with the military. Oh, wow. And so I was free and clear. And I, I can remember this to the day. I thought, you know what? First eight was fairly simple. Ah, what's another eight years? Not like anything's, you know, it's not like I'm going to go anywhere. Two weeks later. Two weeks later. Wow. Two weeks later. And all I could sit there thinking on the couch was, boy, that was a bad decision. <laughs> I was got free and clear. And then, of course, I ended up going to Iraq and, coming, and everything yeah. else. Yeah. So, uh, but what it meant, it means a little bit to everybody. It won't take that much time. I just thought because oh, yeah. VMI this week, some other things, obviously, you need to, we need to touch on it. It's history. It's there. Um, and that's all we'll talk about. We'll, we'll get into the nuts and bolts of Santa's sidekick, a little more fun. But certainly, uh, everybody that that affected, uh, uh, you know, today you should take time to remember everything that happened and and then on saturday we'll get back to playing definitely yeah i mean and and just my final thought on it i was i had a dog walking job after school uh you know first actual job and you know i just walked one dog and it was not exactly a glamorous gig and it wasn't like i was running a conglomerate or anything but uh, as i was talking about with being at school and seeing how people were reacting around me i think that's what made me understand exactly what this meant when you saw people that were like in tears in minnesota this was thousands of miles away of course and um you saw things in a different light and people in a different light on that day and the world obviously in a different light that really was one of the first times that i can remember that i was like wow there is serious evil in this world like you thousands of people are dead from this and seeing the towers falling and then for the next week or so it was on repeat but i went over to the dog uh, the dog's house that I uh, was walking and the owner was there that day and she's always usually at work and she was I walked in and this was like three o'clock in the afternoon so probably about seven hours six or seven hours after uh, the actual attacks and um, or at least the initial attacks when people started to kind of filter through and um, be able to comprehend what was going on and you were getting more information and she was still crying on her couch like at three o'clock in, in the afternoon she didn't have any um, relationship out there with anyone she didn't know people from new york she didn't have family she didn't have friends it was nothing like that she just was weeping for the pure horror of what was going on and seeing how people out there were affected so uh yeah a jarring jarring moment uh that was and and day and now it's you know annually i think uh, like you said a good time to remember not uh, necessarily get sad or Mm -hmm. you know try and um connect with your feelings from that time but just Remember that that was a day that uh, was really horrible for a lot of people, um, and people gave their lives to try and save tons of other people, and it showed some real heroism out in uh, New York from the first responders. And we got a chance a couple years ago uh, when ETSU played Fordham, got a chance to go to the site, got to see all that, saw the actual fire station where mainly a lot of those guys were running into it to see where it was located, where it was, and I I had never actually been inside the city there. I've I've been to Brooklyn. I got a uh, a high school buddy it's a, a preacher it lives in, in brooklyn and on our way up to cape cod uh, which we go every few years too much information but we always stop you know stay with his family get a chance to catch up but never gone to that site and to to see that and to know that you know there's still bodies kind of buried underneath that all that and to see the team who you know the, the those guys a lot younger than us some were 
you know, two, three years old. I mean, no, maybe even younger than that, no way to comprehend that day other than what everyone's telling you. So to kind of see that and the respect that everyone gave, and there's, I mean, it was almost silence. You walk through there, and, and they encourage you to keep it down. So like when you go to Pearl Harbor, like, they, hey, when you go to this portion, like, nobody says a word. Like, that's just what you do. Right. But there really wasn't anything like that there. It was just kind of how it was. So uh, Sandals Sidekick loved to perform entertainment. We love to uh, make fun of each other. We like to have a good time. But certainly I think we'd be remiss if we just didn't take a little bit of the show there. So I would like to know this. This little experiment. We have a lot of people that listen, tune in. We'd like I'd like you to tweet at us, retweet it, and just put where you were that day. How about that? Can we do that little experiment? And then uh, me sure. and you can do it too. Just hey, where were you on that day, uh, September 11, thousand one? Just uh, just curious, just to see because I better be a little bit all over the map. Uh, we've got older listeners that, that might have been at work. We certainly got guys your age that. Uh, or even younger, we're in school, and, and some that, hey, I, I don't even, you know, I don't even really know what happened there. So, now I'm curious. I, I don't know how to transition Randy Sanders. I kind of feel like maybe we should take a break, then we'll come back yeah. and uh, jump into that. We'll take a break when we come back. Commerce Med Coach Randy Sanders. We still will talk to Wade Brenner, VMI play-by-play guy, FCS Top 25, and more on Sanders' sidekick right over this on the Buccaneers Sports Network. Over the last 70 years, Johnson City Power Board has had a few different looks, but we've remained the same trusted partner you rely on. Now, we've changed our name to Bright Ridge to match our vision, to deliver on our promise of great service you can count on, embracing common sense technology to strengthen the communities we serve. We're glad to be your public power provider. Bright Ridge, new name, renewed promise. Learn more at brightridge.com. Sanders and the sidekick on the September 11th, 2019. Talking to head coach Randy Sanders from Monday's press conference, and uh, I thought he was in a special mood. Yeah, he... Is that a nice way to word that? Well, he got up from the table after the press conference was over and just walked right out the door. Like, the door is like seven or eight (laughs) feet from where he is sitting. I don't think he wanted... An exit stage right quickly. I don't think he wanted to be there as much as some other weeks. Uh, Didn't have a lot of patience for some of the questions that were asked. Especially you. Uh, well, I thought I think me and Randy get along very well. Uh, I did, as promised, asked about the Cam Lewis situation and obviously played receiver on Saturday against Shorter. Also was in duty as the backup quarterback, came in, had plenty of reps there as well, had his first career rushing and passing touchdown as well as his first career catch. And so that leaves Coach in a bit of an interesting situation in terms of having a guy that can play a number of positions, but you maybe need it one more than the other, even though you'd like to play him more and see him on the field more at perhaps the position that he is not needed most at. But Coach has been there before. A lot of it depends on Cam, how mature he is, how much he can handle it. We had a plan with him going in where he was one of our starting receivers in, in a particular package. I've been impressed with what he had done during the week. If you're a good football player, get on the field, whether it's at quarterback, wide receiver. I go back to uh, days at Tennessee. You know, Jermaine Copeland was one of our better receivers at Tennessee, and he was a backup quarterback. James Banks, I think, led us in receiving a couple of years at Tennessee, and he was our backup quarterback. C.J. Faton did the same thing at Tennessee. Went to Kentucky. Randall Cobb, Curtis Pulley. If you're a good athlete, why are you going to stand on the sideline and, and not be utilized? And, and that's kind of my philosophy as a coach. If a guy can help you, let's get him on the field. 
it doesn't mean you're necessarily moving his position, but let's, let's get him on the field and, and give him a chance to make plays. So the question was, how do you plan on utilizing Cam Lewis going forward since you perhaps need him a backup quarterback, but he's taking some reps at receiver, and Coach Sanders said that really depends on Cam. So what it sounds like to me, and you can elaborate on this if you want, maybe you read into it a different way than I do, but it sounds to me like maybe Cam Lewis has had a little bit of reticence to go out to receiver. I don't think it's a strange thing to want to be the starting quarterback if you come in as a quarterback. I don't fault Cam Lewis for that. It just sounds like Coach Sanders is growing a little weary of maybe, and may not have to all do with Cam Lewis either, could be others that are in the same mindset, that he wants one thing and he's not going to do anything else unless he gets that thing. Now, Cam Lewis was on the field, had that one catch for 22 yards, but it sounds like Coach Sanders is saying, I've done everything I can. I've tried to impress upon him that receiver's a great place for him. He can be very effective there, an athlete that can really change the game for us. But maybe Cam hasn't been as quick on the trigger as Coach Sanders has. I, I think you can try to convince a guy to go out there, but he's got to want to go out there. And, and I think this is any position. I think you know if a guy's convinced he's going to be a shortstop and you want to move an outfield, they may not be excited to go out to outfield, right? I mean, even at professional levels right one of Soriano like they wanted to move him from the infield to the outfield and he's making all these millions of dollars spring training game he didn't go out in the outfield so I mean at every level and for Cam Lewis he took all the snaps in spring he's always been a quarterback he probably as a kid his goal is to be a quarterback in college right and so um I get it you know? I, I do I, I, I it's a hard it's a hard sell and and there's I thought the question was brilliant in a way of okay because there's some other injuries. We still don't know what Chance Thrasher's doing. We don't know. We haven't seen the uh, freshman Tyler Roddell. There's a couple other freshman quarterbacks that they're playing on redshirting to begin with. And, and I'm not saying they're not going to redshirt Rydell. He's just the one that during warm-ups he's out there actually throwing. So just out of the guys that are throwing, he's the only freshman, uh, true freshman QB that's out there throwing. So kind of curious, uh, you know, what they're going to do with that situation. But I don't know if it's Cam thinking, hey, there's just one injury away. I don't want to be as much prepared as I want to, or if it's just, hey, I, I'm just a quarterback. That's, that's all I want to do. I want to be that. I, I don't know. I, I was hoping, uh, like Coach Sanders, because he's so electric, and even with his one catch in 22 yards, you're you're wanting to say, man, you know, ETSU has some solid receivers, but they don't have a right now. They haven't anybody showed to be the difference maker receiver. And my goodness, his size, his speed. I've seen him actually catch. Uh, balls in practice sometimes Sanders will make the QBs do some things uh, you know run kickoff team do things just you know hey you're just not a QB you're gonna sit back here drink some water in a red jersey right like you're gonna be a part of the team doing other stuff and so I've seen Cam Lewis actually have very good hands catching the pass so I, I don't know uh, you know at some point you hope a guy if he's not gonna be the quarterback he's just gonna be the backup quarterback would want to look and say give me an opportunity but it sounds a little bit like it, it it's sort of in Cam's court what I read into that is Sanders would welcome trying to get Cam the football more. And, again, I thought you tweeted out the, the very interesting fact, and, and I don't know whether you got a response or not, but he had his first career rushing, passing, and his first reception in a game. Right. I did not get a response in terms of <clears throat> from the FCS or from ESPN Stats and Info. Shocking, I know. But uh, it is a very unique stat line and a very unique player and so versatile where you have a feeling, you look at those stats, and it probably hasn't happened very often. There are two other sound bites you're not going to hear here, but I want to bring up coach after getting a question from Joe Avento from the Johnson City Press basically said well you know what I don't need to tell you everything 
I, I have some secrets. I'm going to keep some of those to myself. And I think that he's maybe getting a, a bit tired of the prodding early on from media, not just Joe, but from, you know, all of us a little bit. Um, and I'm not sure media is necessarily a thing that he loves to do in the first place, like most coaches. Uh, but he said, basically, you know, I, I'm not going to tell you that. You know, I, I'm not going to spill the beans on. And I believe the question was, is Cam reluctant to be outside? And he said, well, you know, we, we've got some things that we'll tell you some things that we won't. And then there was another one with special teams. I asked about penalties and missed assignments and turning guys loose, that kind of thing. Like, Coach, have you noticed anything in particular that you can pinpoint where guys just aren't doing their job how you'd like? And he gave a, he gave a good answer. And then there was a follow-up question from our guy Don, Don Hellman from WXSM, who's also uh, our stat guy on the broadcast as well, drive summary, all that, and, and throws in some analysis. And Don kind of flipped it and tried to turn the blame on the returner. And coach said, no, that's not it. Everybody's just lazy out there. They're getting beat on the first step. And then they're grabbing guys. <laughs> that's right. It was that's just right. boom. No, no, no. Because he, he, he said, well, can you get blocking the backs and stuff? Because with Le- Cutting McHugh, a lot. He, he reverses field yeah. and does other things. and that change. So there's a lot of times that holding penalties happen that way, right? And coaches will talk about that. So I didn't think it was that bad of a question <laughs> by Don. Because, you know, like when a quarterback gets out of the pocket and a lineman's not expecting to play to go one way and a guy goes another way, sometimes they just grab in- instinctually because they don't know what's going on behind them, and it does cause holding penalties. Same thing we talk about with screens. A screener will pick up an offensive foul, but it's not his fault because the guard didn't let the screener actually get up there and set his feet. He went too early, the guy's still moving, and then you put the screener in the back. So I think it wasn't that bad of a question. I think, again, I think it's a little bit of a special mood. I, practice must have been bad. I, I'm just going with the day before because – he, he did not like any of you people. Nope, they're lazy. They're lazy. They're doing this wrong, this wrong. And just, it was four seconds. It was incredible. Mm-hmm. I timed it. It was four seconds long. Uh, he did have some in-depth things to say about VMI, specifically about turnovers and penalties, not only from last year's game where the Bucks got five interceptions, uh, sacked the quarterback eight times, but also had 13 penalties for 142 yards, but also turnovers and penalties this year and how it applies to this game against the Key Dads. Hopefully we can create turnovers. That's one thing we need to do um... – a better job of defensively is creating turnovers. I think our defense is playing hard. They're doing a good job, but part of their responsibility is to get the ball back. Offensively, we've turned the ball over twice. If they won a game, that's not too bad, but won a game still gets you beat. We don't need to turn the ball over. We've got to do a better job of taking care of the football. Penalties, we didn't have a real long discussion about penalties yesterday in our team meeting, but I think they understand how I feel about them right now. I don't expect nothing like that again. You know, We had 11 this past game, 13 last year. And in many ways, the 13 penalties and uh, turnovers on our part is what kept the game as it was. We had a chance to control that football game, and we did not control the game last year because of penalties and turnovers. And we'll talk more about the game last year with Wade Brenner when he joins us here in just a few minutes. I thought it was interesting when he said, didn't talk a lot about penalties, but I think they get the message. That to me says it was a pretty short and sweet conversation. Just guys, quit doing this. Clean it up. Clean it up. Plain and simple. Final one from Coach Sanders. I think the guy's a good thrower. He does a good job seeing the field. When we had the opportunity last year after after our game, that they showed up a lot in our uh, cutups as we were, you know, playing opponents, Western Carolina, Sanford. There were, there were several games that they showed up and just watching their offense as they progressed and particularly Yuniski's uh, progression as he went through the season. It, it was easy to see he was really, really improving, which you expect a freshman 
to do that, and he did that. Uh, what I've seen so far this year, they've certainly picked up where they left off. They scored, I think, 63 last week. There, there's been certain days this year I didn't know if we could score 63 points on air. So, you know, to do that is pretty impressive. Andre Sudinski, who set a couple of EMI records last year as a freshman, as a sophomore this year, and certainly showing signs that he is ready to lead VMI to at least a more competitive state. Not that they weren't competitive last year, clearly competitive against CTSU and in a few other games in the SoCon. Jeremy Lewis, who I talked to a little bit earlier this week and we'll have on the pregame show when the Buccaneer Sports Network starts their coverage at 6 o'clock of the VMI and ETSU game, 90-minute pregame show before a 7.30 kickoff. He echoed the same thing. He said, uh, we've seen Udinsky a lot on tape, and he has gotten a lot better. He's not the guy that threw five interceptions, one of which was to Jeremy Lewis, both of Lewis's interceptions, as a matter of fact, are against VMI in his career. So it seems like a common theme from ETSU this week. Reese Udinsky can create some issues. Now, if the Bucks pressure him as much as they did last year and get eight sacks, I'm not sure it will necessarily matter. That will force him into mistakes, and that was another comment from Coach Sanders. If we can do a good job up front, get pressure on him, that makes things easier on the secondary, and it's just a trickle-down effect. So Reese Udinsky clearly drawing some eyes from ETSU, as he has around the SOCON in his very young career. It put up some gaudy numbers, uh, and I think, you know, that game was odd. Let's just let's just get that. I mean, the, the fact that no one knew when they were going to play, right? No one knew um, when the game was actually going to happen. When it was going, when you know was it going to be Thursday, was it going to be Saturday? Ended up being Friday, and not Friday night, but Friday at three o'clock. I mean, just it, so everything's moved up close. It was just it, it was interesting. Plus, I think the tissue staff has even um, sort of mentioned the fact that that game was a little interesting because two of the interceptions ETSU had, the defensive players like Jared Folks were doing the wrong thing, and that's what confused Udinsky because he was reading, hey, these guys are in man, and then you threw it, and where'd that middle linebacker come right, from? Right? Right. So there's a couple things there, and there was a couple of, couple bad, there was a couple good breaks on the ball, like uh, MJ Woods and Jeremy Lewis's interceptions. and um, Or Lewis, I think, was the one where – uh, Dylan Weigel just flattened the receiver, and the ball just kind of shot up in the air and bounced around everywhere. It was one of those uh, got uh, ripped out. Yeah, you know, just something weird. Yeah. So there was a couple odd things, and then ETSU turned over a couple odd things, and then it was the penalties, and it was a, so last year's game was just it's almost an aberration where you don't want to look back at it and say, okay, I can take this, it, this, and this from it. Exactly. Like, can it's you, al- it's, can it's, you really? It's almost too tough to. To, to, I think, break down and go, this was it. I think you have to take a little bit with a grain of salt. I really do. So. Well, we'll try with Wade Brenner. But you want to uh, stick with ETSU football right now? Oh, I see who's walking in the door. Oh, yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, he is back. Two-point conversion, Magistrate. Play on, play on. 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 I'm out of things to say. Play on, play on. Yes, he is back. Nasir player on the show with us, and it's been too long. It's been a while. It's been. It's been since last semester. I haven't uh, been on Play on Player in a while. Uh, how are you feeling about the bumper? I know you liked it at first. Now it's had a chance to marinate, kind of settle in, and I'm hoping that you feel that it's as smooth and silky as you're playing on the field. 
Say that again. I'm yeah. hoping that this is as smooth and silky as you're playing the field. The bumper, you still feel that way. The bumper? Yeah, the bumper that we just played. The oh, play that's what player. that's called? I, I shouldn't use radio terminology. <laughs> my bad. I didn't know that was called a bumper. But no. Yeah, it's called a bumper. Jay Santos is a little bit late to join us. He's going to sit down. I just tried to use a radio term bumper with Nasir. Now, I shouldn't imagine that everyone uh, is very in tune with the radio terminology you and me use every day, but obviously I've de- derailed the interview already as you sit down to join us. I'm very shocked he didn't know the word bumper. You don't think, yeah, you're shocked he didn't know the word? I am shocked. Yeah, he's, a, he's a music guy, listening to music stations, bumper rejoiners, I would think that. Yeah, I didn't know what bumper no. meant. I, I thought you said bumper, and I'm like, wait, bumper? I'm like, he is a music is that? guy, that's true. I, th- I just thought the music background. <laughs> yeah. If he didn't do that, as we discovered last year, right, Young Nas, all mm-hmm. that, to, which i got to talk to you a little bit later. I've written some lines you need to work into your uh, – right. Did you catch the uh, yeah. the little video board thing at the last game, uh, Elijah Wan? Bakery. Mm-hmm, he sang my song on the video board. I was yeah. actually that was one of the things I was going to bring up. Elijah Juan Pickleton and Nick Payne in the Atmos Energy Hot Seat, which is something we do every year, and there's a feature each week at William B. Green Jr. Stadium every football home game, and he was rocking a few of the lines. I mean, mm-hmm. he gave a full like four bars there, and it was sounded pretty smooth. Yeah, I didn't I didn't expect that at all. So when I heard I heard because I remember Nick told me that he said he said the name of the song like in this in his interview, but Oda didn't tell me that he actually sang the lyrics. So when they were talking and I heard like him saying the words, I was all like, hold on. I said, oh, that's cool. That was a cool moment. Oh, I thought you were going to tell me you hit him with a copyright violation. <laughs> Still, that's what I thought we were going to go with. Straight SoundCloud on it. Yeah, right? sure. That's it's not the... copywritten. Well, so, so you don't. You got to get it copywrighted then. I mean, that's yeah. something. No, I stole the beat. So I can't <laughs> stole <do that. laughs> the beat. He's honest. He's we, got, we, we, honest. we call it borrowing in the borrowing. business. See, that's another, that's another good. You can do that when you don't make any money off of it. So that's it's, true. It's okay. true. Uh, if you don't monetize, which yeah. we do on the network, a lot of our hype videos and stuff use music that we have to usually click a box on mm-hmm. youtube it says we're not going to monetize it and all that so mm-hmm. that's uh standard in the business if you will but we got on the subject of rap lyrics because you know you play tupac lanier and so i had dropped several tupac references in there until nobody was uh responding and then i just quit but then they he got, gave they the all eyes right. on me the dear mama he was going pretty deep <laughs> i had a list of about 10 or 12 i was gonna go yeah. and then, uh, nobody i didn't get it. any reaction oh so. I, I caught it Honestly, because i'm a big tupac it. guy yeah i listen i listen well yeah I'm not, I'm not a big Tupac guy, but I know too. I'm familiar with Tupac songs. I'm a big Tupac guy. I'm a little older than you, and Jay's a little older older than me, and both mm-hmm. of us. So that's really probably more Jay's era than either of ours. But I got into Clearly it because Meyer. I, I got into it because I was like, kind I was of, all in on, on on the Biggie Tupac. I mean, I, was, I think I was like more Biggie. of an East Coast guy myself. I like Biggie more than Tupac. Love Biggie. Yeah. That's my guy. See, I'm Biggie's more of a, a Tupac better, guy. So I love the references and the whole. Yeah, scene. but you're Western. Western compared to, to us, Tennessee, right? Sure. Where are you yeah. from? Or Florida, North Carolina. Minnesota. You're from Minnesota? Minnesota, yeah. So, I mean, I'm not sure the effects of Tupac were being felt all the mm-hmm. way in the upper Midwest, but certainly he was a nationwide phenomenon. So I appreciated it. Now, did you say when you said borrowing, was that intentional, like bar, like B-A-R, like bars? Like this year player drops bars? Yes. That was. <laughs> Look at him. You see the look on his face? He has no idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> That's incredible. Borrowing. Uh, the answer is always yes, Nasir. Always. Did you mean to? Yes. Yes, I did. So I predicted in bold predictions that you would have 10 sacks this year. And I think it was six and a half last year. Um, this year, a big one for you, not only for the Bucks here and your Richard Senior season collegiate career, but obviously you've gotten some attention nationally from some pundits about being an FCS prospect to watch for the draft and maybe trying to position yourself for the senior bowl and hey who even knows the NFL combine I'm just throwing that out there and I did during bowl predictions too but 10 sacks 
Am I being too ambitious? Do I have the possibility of getting 10? Or the only reason I say it's not possible is because you face so many double teams, it seems like, every game where I feel like they're not only taking your sacks, but they're taking my prediction. <laughs> I mean, it's not impossible, but, you know, I'm not not really focused on getting – I am just want to win the game, really. So if me getting double teamed means it opens up for somebody else to get a sack, I'm cool with that. Give so. us an idea. How many times per game do you think that you – get double team like if you're lined up across from let's say vmi this weekend mm -hmm. obviously they're more of a passing team but it seems like they're focusing a little bit more on the running game this year uh, take us inside your helmet from your eyes what are you going to see on the majority of snaps uh i mean it's hard to tell it's different each week so you know some teams scheme differently some teams don't really scheme like to certain people they just keep doing what they do so it just depends so i feel like vmi is just going to they're going to come out and do what they do. They're not going to – it's not going to be anything really crazy geared towards me or anybody else. They're just going to come out and do what they do and try to beat us. Call me crazy. Six five two seventy. I'd be gearing everything towards that side of the line. But then you do have a guy in the middle of the line now – or, excuse me, on the other side of the line that has, what, a 685-pound squad or whatever it is, mm -hmm. and Jason Madua-Fakwa. So it is hard to – with two guys on the line like right. you and Jason to focus on one. You know, if you focus on one, it's going to leave the other one open. So – I feel like gearing towards one or the other isn't going to be good for either team, for any other team. So I feel like, like I said, I feel like they're just going to come out and do what they do and just try and beat us straight up. Did you see the tweet from the executive director of the Senior Bowl, Jim Nagy? I did see it. So I'll just remind listeners in case they didn't see it. Some people aren't on Twitter. I know it's the 21st century, but it is still <laughs> a thing where people are not on Twitter. The best NFL prospect from ETSU football since they started playing again in 15 is defensive end this year player, an intriguing long-bodied pass rusher. I think that was said strong or like, you know, hulking or something like that. I'm sure that's how you would have preferred for it to be mm. worded. But long-bodied pass rusher that can bend the edge, also athletic enough to be a stand-up outside linebacker. Think about Nasir's stand-up outside linebacker at 270 with the ground that you could cover as well. That is frightening for opposing offenses. One of top FCS prospects to watch. Hashtag the draft starts in Mobile, of course. Mobile, the site of the Senior Bowl. Has to be pretty cool to see stuff like that. You know, it was pretty cool. When I saw it, though, I wasn't – I was. it was just after the App State game, and I wasn't really too happy with the team's performance or my own personally. So, you know, I didn't really retweet it or show it much attention. But I, it was cool to, you know, see that. You know, but, you know, I was focused. I wasn't really focused on that. I was just sad that we didn't play as well as we needed to. And me, myself personally, didn't play the way I needed to play to win the game. Question I have for you is VMI's coming up. That was your first ever career touchdown in anything. Mm -hmm. But last week you had two firsts as well. You had the first ever fumble recovery in an ETSU uniform. And then you had your first ever two-point conversion. Oh, yeah. So how much... Did you A, lobby, or B, meet Coach Day out by his car and tell him he was going to throw you the ball? That's not – like, it wasn't really planned. We just – we practiced it every day. So, you know, the the quarterback or the holder on that particular play who happens to be a quarterback, uh, he just – he's looking for – the way we line up, he's just looking for the defense to not line up the right way towards it. So if they're not lined up the right way, then we're going to go for it. So, But we practice it every day, so it wasn't really – Shocking! I didn't I honestly didn't think he was going to throw it to me, though, because it looked like uh, Blake was open on the other side. So I thought he was going to throw it over there, but he turned to me. So was, so that snap second, whenever not, you don't need to give away the call, but whenever he gives the color, number, whatever combination is to tell you what that is, how quickly did you realize, oh, we're going for this, and then how quickly was it, hey, that's coming to me? Uh, it was just 
when the ball snapped, I was like, okay, we're not kicking it. And then, well, I hope you're not kicking it because the whole lines are right. Like, All right, go ahead. So when the ball snapped, I'm like, okay, we're not kicking it. And then when he turned to me, I'm like, okay, he's throwing it to me, and I just caught it and ran in. <laughs> Where'd you get those buttery hands? I mean, those are soft. Like I, I tell people all the time, I got the best hands on the team, but nobody, <laughs> nobody wants to believe me. So I, I got to show it a little bit uh, last Saturday. So is that something you like work on just as like a good time during like, before practice or after practice, or did you in high school catch some passes or like where's that background come from? I mean, uh, before I started playing tackle football, I lived in Germany and I played flag football, and my position was wide receiver. Wow. And so, and I caught a lot of touchdown passes as a receiver. So. And I just throw the ball a lot. I grew up throwing the ball and catching the ball a lot. So it's just, it's not. I don't want to say it's natural, but it's almost kind of natural. Have you ever trash-talked so much in practice with a tight end wide receiver that you just said, get out of the way, I'll run the route, and just go run a route? <laughs> yeah. I feel like Coach Sanders, at this point in time, when you had the defense player of the year, and if you just said, here's what I'm going to do, I don't think he's going to say anything. I'm just saying, you've got enough clout at this point. You might be able to rogue, uh, or, or better yet, when it's seven on seven, right? They're doing a little pass skeleton or whatever, mm-hmm. and you're really, let's say, you're wrapping up some of your drills. You go over there; they always throw. You know how offense guys are. They always throwing a, a couple extra passes mm-hmm. in between the periods, and somebody drops one. I think you should do that. I think you say, "Look, look, get out. What's the route? Get out of here. I'll, I'll run it and see if they throw you the ball." That's yeah, what I would do. I try. I try to be encouraging. I try to because you know I don't want to go over there and try and make somebody feel bad because that'll get in. You know they won't. It's just not. It's not. That's not being a good teammate, in my opinion. So I just try to, you know, try to be encouraging. I try not to disrupt anybody else's drills. I just try and focus on what I'm doing, so that they can focus on what they're doing. So what I've learned is, Nasir player, not a fan of Santos' sidekick because all we do is tear each other down. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty much 97 percent of our show. Look, I was shocked when he came back out. I was just like, he's probably had enough of the the garbage. This is his senior year. You know, he's trying to focus and has got some aspirations for football for not only collegiately this year and going to the playoffs, et cetera, but going and playing professionally. So I'm thrilled. I think we should round out our conversation uh, by asking you who your top five rap artists in the history of rap are now that we started the conversation wow. with rap. So you had Tupac early. Tupac, for me, is top five. I mean, he's a legend. He's an icon. He built the game. He was a game changer, someone that revolutionized, et cetera. A lot of people during that time, I think, did as rap got more um, mainstream. Uh, I've seen some lists out there on Twitter, and this is kind of what Play on Player was last year. We had some modern uh, hip-type talk where you'd catch Jay up on some topics of the moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's where we learned about no cap, which is still being said. I still use on the nice. broadcast quite a bit. <laughs> no like cap. Seven, that was like seven or eight months ago, and it's still going, so that's good. Mm-hmm. It was, I mean, it was going on for like seven to eight months before I told y'all about it. So it's, you know, it's just, it's just what's going on right now. It's like the new, it's not really new anymore. It's just what it is now. Well, as long as I'm at least within a year of it, I feel pretty good. Yeah, we're only seven or eight months behind. Yeah, (laughs) if I can stay that far behind, I actually was in one of my classes the other day just to throw it at people, see if they Mm -hmm. would look at me funny, which... Did everybody just get up? And no, I really, class? nobody really responded. Yeah, I don't think they did. Yeah. So, so this is kind of, these were kind of the topics that we had, you know, on play on player. Aside from talking about football and some different interesting things at the collegiate level and moving to professionally and things of that sort, but I gotta hit you with that question before we let you go and let you prepare for VMI this weekend. Top five rappers of all time. I've seen a lot of uh, lists lately that have been very centered on guys like Future mm-hmm. and. Um, you know, more of the people of the moment, where for me, I look at All those, those lists generally happen that way. Well, for me, I look at those, and I'm just like, man, there is not a single person I would put on my top five. But again, I'm from a little bit of a different era. It's, it's so hard to come up with a top five because there's so many different artists, so many versatile different artists that bring different things to – they just made – 
they just brought they bring different things to the table. So you, I like a lot of people, but my top five of all time. I mean, give me uh, one from. Oh, here you go. Here you go. Let's word it different. Let's say, and again, people don't have this anymore. But if you had the old five disc changer in your car, five disc changer, right, right, the old uh-huh. five CD changer in your car, which probably when you're growing up, your mom or dad had or something, mm-hmm. uh, or cousin or somebody. But if you had five discs in your car that weren't mixtapes that were certainly from the artist who would they be i think a five disc changer is like the newer version of the eight track you just dropped a way way past knowledge type if i had to pick five actually stole that from another show i heard the other day so yeah all right so borrowed again we're gonna pretend that in 2019 people still use five disc changers yes (laughs) thank you so like my car has i would definitely have futures dirty sprite 2 on there in there um I would have Lil Wayne, the Carter two or three. I don't know which one. It's one of those two. Um, I would have J Cole. Which album? Mm, I would pick. I would pick one of his mixtapes, his older mixtapes before his debut album. So Friday Night Lights, J Cole, um, Kendrick Lamar, Good Kid, Mad City, and my fifth one. Mad City was a great album. I love that album. Um, dang. Young Nas. Yeah, that's my, right. My album, whenever, right. I, whenever Boom, I come up with an album. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to ask, is there are there plans for a release? Because I know I've been hearing now for almost a year, I feel like, about the music. Mm-hmm. But I don't see any releases coming. No, I have some songs, but I don't. I try not to release them too much because I don't want the attention to go to that instead of I don't want that to be a distraction from the football thing. So That's smart. You know, I have songs in the vault that I just haven't released yet. So, the but I, have, I haven't made a song since July. So, because once football season started, I just I well, good. Be, be thinking during this time as you're writing down lyrics how to work in Jay Sandos and one of your rhymes. <laughs> and I've got some suggestions if you need. You know, you you just let me know what you. I, mean, I might if you tell me a lyric and I like it, I might spice it up a little bit Ooh, and make there we it. Go. That's what I'm talking know, about. I'll, t- I'll give you your credit though. It needs to get spiced up a bit. I think that's a good <laughs> idea. You put your flavor on. I like that list though. Kendrick Lamar and J Cole. Those are. I think artists that I would listen to more than say a future Lil Wayne I really like too. I love future though. Like future is just And I'm just not a future guy. I don't get the future thing, but I am clearly in the minority because I've every list that I've seen lately is like future is top three. When I when I went when I was in high school, when I was a senior year in high school, Future dropped a mixtape called Monster and it changed my life, honestly. <laughs> it really did. Like it just I've just been I don't know how to explain it. it You've just, been a monster ever since. Been a monster ever since. It just, it just did something to me when I heard it. It's crazy. I love that. I love that mixtape. Are, are those four artists on your pregame playlist? No, I listen to more current stuff from my pregame playlist. Okay, but um, I was just trying to come up with my all-time, my all-time favorites. It's a solid list. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm impressed with the list. All right, you coming back or is this it? One and done? No, I'll come back. Coming back. That's mm-hmm. what I like to see. Fantastic. All right, that's uh, Nasir Player there on Play On. Play uh, There we go. All right, what's up that for a timeout? Appreciate it, Good luck uh, this weekend. Wade Brenner, other side of this timeout, Sandoz Sidekick. Go to the Market Air, Sports Network. Life is all about perfect pairings. Sweet and salty, naughty and nice, hot and cold. Well, add instant and jackpot to the list because that's what you'll get when you add Quick Cash to your next Tennessee Cash play. Quick Cash is a simple way to turn one game into two. With Quick Cash, you'll have a chance to win up to $500 instantly right there at the register. Plus, you'll still have a chance to win the Tennessee Cash drawing later. Get the best of both worlds and get twice the fun. It's Quick Cash with Tennessee Cash, only from the Tennessee Lottery. Game-changing fun. Please play responsibly. 
Sandos and the sidekick. Another exciting segment with the opposing play-by-play broadcaster. And this one's a good one. Wade Brenner. He's been at VMI. He's an alum of VMI. Been there for I don't want to I don't want to date him. It, it feels like 42 years. I know that's incorrect, but uh, Wade has been there for a, a long time. He knows about everything that's ever happened in the history of VMI. And I'm going to lead with this, Wade. We talked to the, the star of the podcast just about. Just today, September 11th, in general, we, did, we didn't talk a long time about it. Certainly, we didn't want to gloss over it either. But the one thing I, I thought was ironic this week, each issue was going to play VMI in 2001. They moved the game as a lot of schools did. They canceled that Saturday's worth of games, and ETSU played VMI for its only Thanksgiving Day game up in Lexington, Virginia. What do you remember about that? Well, you know, I, I just remember, of course, you know, the, the whole nation being in shock and, and you know, just uh, – you know the game was 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 quickly canceled. Uh, I don't think it was rescheduled until announced until later, while the athletic directors uh, you know worked out a date. But uh, you know it was just one of those things where you know you had the the weekend off, and and again you know the nation was just uh, in shock, wanting to know you know what was going to happen uh, in the in the future, and uh, you know gradually you know the healing process happened, and and sports resumed. There was a great World Series that that year, and. Um, you know, and and we ended up scheduling the game for for Thanksgiving. Now, VMI had played on Thanksgiving Day before against Virginia Tech and Roanoke, so that had been a part of a VMI football tradition, but not in Lexington and not at home. And the thing I remember about that game, Jay, is just I, the game was free. It was for people who wanted something to do on Thanksgiving, and we had a pretty good turnout. I mean, if I remember, you know, uh, uh, families visiting friends and and brought the kids out, and uh, you had a had a pretty good game as well, very competitive. And and uh, but it, it was uh, a time where you know uh, it was just very somber. And and uh, now as we look back, we uh, you know we certainly remember those days, and it, it was certainly different. Wade, different circumstances, but ETSU VMI had to move again. Last year it was Hurricane Florence that impacted uh, when the game was going to be played, and they played the weird Friday, like 3 p.m. I think you guys did another free admission for for that one as well. The only difference was I remember the 2001 game resembled football. Last year I think the game of football lost when it watched the game, and it was just a turnover, penalty-filled, you know, really a war of attrition between these two teams. Yeah, I don't know whether it was just, you know, not, not you know, the one day less of preparation. Uh, certainly nerves had something to do with it. It was the SoCon opener. It was just, you know, you had all the, you know, the stage for being a, a great game and, and, and the teams, both of them just kind of slugged their way through it. And, uh, yeah, a lot of turnovers, not not the crispest of games, but it was a game up for grabs and, and one that VMI looking back, you know, looks like they certainly – felt that they had an opportunity to win and it and it set the tone for the rest of the year for both teams i think etsu came out of that saying you know hey we can win these close games regardless how the course of the game goes and for vmi uh it was kind of well you know what's going to happen here we're in the game but uh you know we we lost this first one Uh, you, you start you know in the back of your mind doubting yourself and you know the vmi was was competitive in socon games last year uh five of our losses were for uh 10 points or less and 
and four of them by one score. But you know, I, I, I point back to that first game uh, that you know it really kind of set the tone for both teams. Which is incredible, and that's a lot of the things that's being discussed here too this week, Wade, is it seemed like a tone setter because every close game seemed to go ETSU's way and every close game seemed to go against VMI last season. One of the other things being talked about is the improvements of Reese Udinsky, and Coach Sanders talked about in his Monday press conference how Reese Udinsky and the VMI offense showed up a lot on tape when they were doing their cut-ups for opponents in the future of that week when they were doing some scouting, and they could see week after week Reese Udinsky really was making some progress. I incorrectly said last segment he's a sophomore, he's a junior, but he looks like this year that he's really being a lot smarter with the football, and even considering one of the opponents that VMI's played so far this year was Marshall going to level up to Conference USA. Efficiency is up 30 points this year for East Udinsky. He has not thrown an interception after throwing 16 last year. What do you see in terms of his, his improvement? Is it just throwing the ball so much over his career? Is it having two of his top three targets back and developing some chemistry with them? I, th- I think it's a combination of things. Uh, certainly having receivers that you've worked with uh, you know, another year, that familiarity, and also familiarity with the air raid offense. Uh, this is his second full year with it, and you can you can just see his confidence level. He's playing within himself. He's not he, he's taking what the defense gives him. He's not forcing things, and when the, when the play is not there, he's rolling out and throwing it away. Where as before, you know. Uh, Maybe he tried to, a few times last year, tried to tried to force things, but um, certainly playing within himself, playing with a lot of confidence, and I think he's he's earned the respect of the the offense. They believe that you know he's on the field that they can move the ball against anybody, and you know uh, he he's just such a level-headed kid. I, he has the same temperament as when he made his first start the last game of his freshman year. He just is so even keel and so mature and, and way beyond his years. And I know he's a junior, and he's you know he's playing like a junior now, but he's just has always had that maturity and that willingness to work hard and get better, and it's now really starting to to stand out. And to be fair to Reese, I mean, five of those interceptions were in the one kind of outlier game, the Friday against ETSU, so that does skew a little bit. Is VMI dedicating themselves more to the run this year, Wade? You look at the numbers last year and 687 yards for the entire season in terms of net gain. This year, you're at 276 with Alex Ramsey having gained 133 of those and two other rushers above 70 yards. Is that a statistical anomaly early, or is it something we can expect? I think it's just that VMI realized they had to establish more of a running game. They really made a commitment to that. And we now have uh, you know, a two-deep situation at running back where I think we, we have some guys who can contribute. I mean, Alex Ramsey was one of these guys who was bouncing on both sides of the ball between – uh, the offensive backfield and linebacker and never really found a position to his liking uh, where he could excel the first two, two-plus years. But it was at the end of 2017, and he did get into that game uh, down in Johnson City. Uh, he started to really emerge as a running back, showed some potential, uh, and he was able to, to show some improvement last year. And then this, this past offseason, I don't know what he did, but he worked with our strength and conditioning coach, Dave Foreman, and he has completely... Uh, added, uh, you know, transformed his game. Uh, he, he's he, he's got some some breakaway speed now. He's worked on his quickness. He's hitting the holes. He's always been willing to to run through people and over people, wanting to do that. He's not the biggest guy. I don't think he's ever going to change his running style. But now, 
you know, he's just a little more durable, a little quicker, um, and he's got some good backups as well. Uh, Tyon Smith is back from an ankle injury. He's got uh, two years uh, experience. And then Corey Brighty uh, adds a, a lot of uh, spark off the bench. So uh, I, I think it's just uh, – uh, a more of a commitment to developing the run game because if you can do that, that just will open up the passing game. It's, uh, what Jay Santos talking to Wade Brenner with Mike Gallagher on Santos and the sidekick. Wade Brenner, longtime play-by-play man for VMI. Wade, um, I want to touch a little bit on receiver before I ask you uh, about some turnovers and the fact that VMI's been able to flip that. But JV on Larva, you talk about building a relationship with Udinsky. I remember uh, the game, uh, I guess it was 2016, in which VMI really throttled ETSU uh, um, in Lexington and uh, knowing what to do with the football because uh, uh, Darren Artis, one of the all-conference cornerbacks uh, for ETSU, went down. A freshman by the name of Jeremy Lewis steps in a very first play. Larva runs by him for 54-yard touchdown reception, and he actually on his own relived that uh, that moment. Like, hey, well, my first ever play on the field, I, I gave up a touchdown. I'll never, never forget that. But Larva's been a major part. Uh, of the offense it seems like even more so now and he's kind of developed into that go-to receiver for Udinsky oh he has I mean he's a a legitimate deep threat I mean he's been he's been so good yards after catch and and that's something that he has improved on each year but I mean for his career now he has eight touchdown receptions uh, reaching the end zone uh, 50 yards or more and and you know that just doesn't happen but he's a hard worker he's a leader uh, he's bought into this offense. He's thrived into the air raid offense. And as I said before, he's really improved on his yards after catch because that, that really in the air raid, that, that, that is what makes it go. I mean, you spread the field, but it's what you do after you catch the ball. But he's always been a legitimate deep threat. He's continued to you know, stretch defenses, and you know, that bodes well for, for what the offense can do and, and you know, possibly open up the running game as well. But um, he's, he's an experienced receiver. He's playing with a lot of confidence, and certainly uh, now with some of these younger receivers coming in, they see – how you know what he's done over the years and and how he's thrived in this offense and and try to uh, use him as an example for for inspiration. Yeah, and they've had a long time returner Rohan Martin now now catching some passes. Then newcomer uh, Leroy Thomas. At least I'm unfamiliar uh, when I, when I was creating my my chart. So he's he's got a few guys, but in that air raid offense too, if you can get it to the running back, and it seems like it, you've already mentioned uh, not just Ramsey, but but uh, Britty and and or, or Birdie and a few guys that can make gets as well. So certainly uh, Udinsky's using all his weapons so far. Yeah, and I, I think you mentioned Leroy Thomas. He is one that uh, you know VMI always seems to have a, a freshman receiver that uh, that you know, comes out of nowhere and steps up. But he was you know he was a late addition uh, in in the recruiting season, and uh, he's from Patrick Henry in Roanoke, just you know less than an hour away. Uh, so you know his his family and friends can come up and see him play. But he had a great August camp. Uh, really stepped up in the in the preseason scrimmages, and then uh, earned a spot returning kicks. Uh, uh, they like what he can do. They like they like what he can do with the ball in space. He runs good routes. Uh, he actually was uh, you know in on the first play of scrimmage last week. Uh, he's in the mix. He's going to be a regular, and uh, he can he can do things with a football when he has it. So it, it's just uh, you know it, it's one of those you know, the more depth you have in this offense, the the, the better it is. Last question I got uh, for Wade is basically turnovers. You know, it's yep. always been the last several years a huge issue for VMI. They've turned it over. They've been in the negative column so far this year. And, and I know a lot of people say, well, you know, Marshall may have turned over a lot. But, but you won the turnover battle against Marshall. 
and you, you have a big significant lead and the turnover margin this year with Udinsky taking care of the football. How do you think uh, being on the plus side of these turnovers could help the offense and the team in general this season? Huge. Absolutely huge. I mean, uh, minus 13 in turnover margin last year. I think it was more than that uh, the year before. I can't remember when VMI uh, – it's been a long time since VMI has been in, in the plus in the turnover uh, margin category. Um, it, it, just, it just completely changes everything, uh, how, how you regard the game, how you can play the game. Um, it, it, you know, your defense going on the field knowing that it can – can change the game in a hurry and give your offense a chance to score. I mean, we just have not had a whole lot of opportunities to do that in, in, in years past. And so, you know, ball security on the offensive side, as you said, with Rishi Densky. And then we've got some veteran veteran defensive backs that, you know, have played well, gradually improved every year, but now it's really stepping up and making plays. You know, last week it was it was two quick interceptions on the, uh, in the first quarter by Caleb Tucker, which – gave VMI exactly what it needed against a, a, a team that, you know, it was favored against, but in the past had struggled against T2s. But instead, you know, two quick interceptions gave VMI short field and, and gave him a 21 nothing lead. Excuse me. Voice is going here a little bit. Um, but, uh, yeah, that, that's exactly, you know, it just changes everything, Jay. And, uh, you know, hopefully for VMI fans, they can continue to be on that that top of the top of the the rankings in, uh, in in turnovers. In fact, I think the five interceptions right now the VMI leads uh, in FCS. So I mean, it's it's got yeah. You're right. It's early. It's only two games. But for a a defense that has been trying to establish its identity and improve, and it's really taking its lumps. I mean, it it's got to help from a confidence standpoint. Wade, I've got one more for you. I think we'd be remiss since you've been around the conference as long as you have if we wouldn't reflect on conference play, which is coming up this weekend, three conference games. Is this as wide open as you've seen the conference? I imagine VMI has their sights set on a top-half conference finish at the least, considering how close they played opponents last year in the SOCON and how they're looking to improve this year, especially at the quarterback position and with some camaraderie with Udinsky, Lara, uh, Martin, and Alex Ramsey. ETSU, I'm sure, has their sights set on the top of the conference, but it seems like teams one through nine really could yeah. finish pretty much anywhere. Yeah, it is, definitely. I think the feeling is that it's, it's more wide open than it has been in years past. Uh, you know, when we first came in the league, you know, Chattanooga was – ending its its run and then you know then Sanford had the great teams and you know I, I think now you know we're transitioning to uh, to uh, more of a, a an open league and I think a lot of th- all the teams feel that they, you know they can they can have a run at it this year and really improve their their standing uh, in the league it, it's certainly that's the feeling I get I think the coaches feel that as well that's a lot a lot more wide open this year, and uh, that's good. That helps uh, helps competition and it helps uh, fan interest. Um, you know, certainly what ETSU did last year. I mean, that was phenomenal to win all those close games and 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 get that conference championship. You know, it kind of gave inspiration for for other teams saying, "Hey, you know, that that can be us." And certainly, I think VMI feels that. You know, the landscape of the of the league this year. There's there, there's opportunity to to move up the latter and uh you know that's again why this game is is so important that 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 opener can just again set the tone for the rest of the season wade we really appreciate uh you taking the time today we always look forward to seeing you in johnson city my man i'll see you on saturday 
All right. I love coming down. Love the stadium. Love what you guys did. And looking forward to, to seeing you guys Saturday night. All right. We appreciate it. Thanks, Wade, for the time. When we come back, FCS Top 25 after this word from Santa's sidekick on the Buccaneer Sports Network. ETSU fans, there is no more entertaining way to spend your Wednesday nights than with the human soundbite reel, Randy Sanders. It's big boy football. The Buccaneer head coach joins Jay Sandoz live at Wild Wing Cafe every Wednesday night at 6 p.m. And if you can't make it to downtown Johnson City to have chicken wings and tater tots with coach, you can listen right here on AM640. All fall long, ETSU head football coach Randy Sanders, Wednesday nights. What time is it anyway? 6 p.m. on the Sports Monster. Saturday whenever that bumper comes around, doesn't it? It Feels does. Like we should be playing football right now. I, I actually, I, we should probably use that bumper some on Saturday. Stats FCS Top 25. Not a lot of movement this week, so we will keep it short. NDSU, any thought of an in-state rivalry jumping up and biting the bison was put to rest quick by Trey Lance. 38-7, to NDSU over North Dakota. Four more touchdowns for the Bison quarterback in front of nearly 20,000 in the home opener at the Fargo Dome. Should be a better test this week against a ranked Delaware team. James Madison, a balanced offensive effort from JMU, provided a bounce back after an opening week close loss to West Virginia, 20-13. to 44-7 the win for the Dukes over St. Francis of Pennsylvania. Four players with 50-plus yards on the ground for JMU, 16-21 to 21 for 221 yards and two touchdowns for quarterback Ben DiNucci. South Dakota State, a contest against a new FCS and Division One team. LIU Post or LIU Brooklyn, or in some camps just LIU. Post and Brooklyn actually merged this year in football for Post, moved to Division One. Anyway, 38-3, the loss to the Jackrabbits for LIU. Just eight first downs and 123 yards for post-Brooklyn. LIU's quarterback, Clay Beathard. You may recognize that name. Younger brother of 49er, C.J. Beathard. Eastern Washington, number four. Not as convincing of a win this week, though. Division two, Lindenwood gave them some trouble. The team's combining to throw for 805 yards and nine touchdowns. But the Eagles behind 522 and five scores from Eric Barrier win 59 to 31 and UC Davis the toughest test in the top five this week was for UC Davis San Diego who definitely don't seem like the team they were last year when they went nine and three but they're still not going to be a walkover for anyone UC Davis needed a touchdown with under four minutes left to pull back ahead of the Toreros Alonzo Gilliam another big day including that game ceiling touchdown 21 carries for 135 and two scores for the 2018 freshman All-American any thoughts on the top five yeah did you see how that game ended I did not how the uh, UC Davis came in? No. I thought uh, the, that's the one where they threw the uh, pass to the corner of the end zone and the run, the uh, running back got hit by the linebacker to seal the deal. Oh, I do. You sent me that. Yes. 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 So, so you, you glossed over the best part. Of it. So UC Davis with three with uh, – or San Diego with about five seconds to go in the game. Have one last play. Uh, down three – uh, I'm sorry, eight seconds because they think they can run a play and then uh, kick a field goal if need be. Um, and the coach rolls the die, says, you know what, we're not kicking a field goal. We're going for the win. We're doing this. We're going to upset them. Throws a pass to the goal line behind the receiver. The receiver or the running back reaches back, 
has it in his hands, turns around, gets hit immediately by a linebacker, ball squirts out, incomplete pass. Yeah. There you go. So, t- tough way to lose. All right. I don't want to gloss over that because I was outstanding. It's on Twitter. You can find it. Number six, Weber State. Speaking of standout 2018 freshman Josh Davis of Weber State leads his side to a 17-point win over Cal Poly, team that's receiving votes in this week's poll. 129 yards and two scores on the ground for the Wildcats for Davis. One of two to go over 100 on the ground for the winners. It's a bounce back after a week one Six nothing loss to San Diego State. We talked about that last week. The Aztecs, by the way, down UCLA over the weekend. So that result looks even better for Weber State. They're the first movers after the top five were the same up one spot because Maine fell one spot. They're number seven, but they dropped the one spot because of a one score loss to Georgia Southern. Ten game winners last year and a bowl game winner as well. But Maine keeping it within one score against an FBS side gets them dropped a spot. I still am kind of confused about how this whole system works, but I mean they played right with Georgia Southern, a very solid Sunbelt team, and get dropped to number seven. I really don't understand it. Number 8,000, a much more dominating performance from Tom Flacco than it was for Joe Flacco this week. Tom, the QB of the Tigers, of course, leading uh, leading the Tigers to a victory, while Joe led Denver to a horrific first half against Oakland. Everyone thought they'd be trash, except me, of course. I have them in the playoffs. But Tom was 15 of 22 for 228 yards and three scores in a 42-3 win over North Carolina Central. Kennesaw State, losers to Kent State on a day filled with controversy. It was a tight game, 26-23 in overtime, nearly a third win for the FBS over an FBS school this year, or the FCS, I should say, over an FBS school. On the road at that, credit to Kennesaw, even though we don't like to give that often, but a fumble in overtime for the Owls ended their chances. The real controversy, though, Sandoz. The fireworks. Is that Maine and Temple in a field hockey game hosted at Kent State was canceled after the first overtime of a scheduled two because of a setup for not only fireworks, pregame fireworks for the football game. It was set up. You hate field hockey, so you're in support of it. (laughs) The interesting part is they interrupt the game to start the second overtime to do the show, and not because the fireworks are being set off, but the fire marshal says the blowback from the fireworks could land on the field. Right. So they could have delayed the fireworks show for 10 minutes and let the the field hockey game Ten minutes. finish. 10 minutes. And uh, now, since the national news has hammered Kent yes. State, they've come out with all kinds of apologies. Uh. And now we're going to work through it and all that. But, yes, the uh, uh, I, the wind picked it I'm, up. Deadspin picked it up. It's everywhere. I'm not a huge fan of fireworks. I'm a huge fan of some other things. not a huge fan of fireworks. Field so, uh, yeah, that's uh, – it's not a good look. Not a good it's look. Not. Not a good look. Kent I mean, State won and lost in the same day. These sports equitists out there oh, yeah. are having an absolute field day. Number 10, Montana State went into the half tied at 10 with the team ranked right below them coming into the week, Southeast Missouri State. But 28 third quarter points made the game a runaway for the Bobcats. Simo outgained 456 to 245, and 11 penalties did not help their case either. So Maine and Weber State swapped 6 and 7 in the poll, and Montana State into the top 10 as the only movement in the top 10 this week. At number 11, Northern Iowa stands pat. At number 12, Nichols had a bye, dropping two spots. That's unfortunate for Nichols. Number 13, Illinois State, their first win this year by four touchdowns over Moorhead State. Number 14, Central Arkansas. They're up six more spots. Remember, they got the FCS win in week one, the only Mm -hmm. one, against an FBS team that Western Kentucky on the road, a 35-28 upset. They go on the road again and pick up a second one, this one over ETSU's opponent next week, Austin Peay. Braylon Smith to Lawan Winningham twice in the fourth quarter to lead Central Arkansas from behind for the win. I want to talk about Austin P, and of course we're going to do that a lot next week, but 
they seem like the weirdest team ever. Their last three seasons coming into this one, they had a winless year in 2016, 0-11. Then went 8-4 and the next season and finished second in the and, OVC. And got jobbed. Should have been in the playoffs. It, got jobbed. Because I okay. think only Jacksonville State, who were the league champions that yep. year, got in. Then last year they were 5-6 and six and had two games that they lost by 30-plus, but four where they won by 24-plus. Now 1-1 one one this season with a near upset over Central Arkansas and a 31-point win over North Carolina Central. Do you want to give a few thoughts on them right now, or do you want to save it all for next week? Well, it's the, just weird. Well, From 0-11 to 8-4. Here's, here's the only reason I want to wait to next week, too, because Austin P will play at Mercer, I believe. No, no, Mercer's going to Austin P. I I think. But Austin P. and Mercer play this week, too, so it'll be interesting. I do have more to say. I, I think it's interesting a couple things that um, – uh, who dropped? Oh, geez, who dropped in the poll? That, uh, that, uh, Nichols. So Nichols um, drops, On a bye. Yeah, Down drops on a bye. Now, I get Montana State with the win, but then you and I – a little – you know, they play not so good team. And then, you know, looking at what Central Arkansas did the last two weeks – you know, because you do uh, throw in Jacksonville State and, and what they've done and where they're ranked and throttle Jacksonville State. Doesn't even, and Jacksonville State turns around and throttles what most people had just on the outside looking in Chattanooga. So I, I don't know. I got to get Brian McLaughlin on here. I got to figure out how these people are voting. This is. This Does he get mad? Can I get a vote? Can I get a vote? He's the one of the few that actually puts his poll out there. Okay. So he actually puts his uh, here's my ballot, here's what I've got, here's why I voted that way. So he's very transparent. I want to know because they allow pretty much every SID. Every, somebody represented from each school is allowed to vote, I believe, is how that works. Which is probably the problem. Which is, pro- again, part of, part of the issue. There's no true media poll, and it's probably tough because there's a, a huge chunk of the country that doesn't have FCS at all. That's true. And so you'd only have really three main areas that would have a huge chunk of it. And so I, I kind of get that, but it'd be interesting to see how, how they do. But anyways... Um, I'd rather wait a little bit on, on Austin okay. P. And certainly Central Arkansas is making it stake thing continue to go that it could be a major player. They do seem weird, though, right? I mean, they've done oh, kind no. of everything no. over the last well, few years. Well, when ETSU signed that game, it was fresh off the 0-16, <laughs> and you're going, all right, here we go, or 0-11, whatever it is. That's it. North Carolina a and number 15, they are unchanged this week. Furman can't believe they moved up only one spot after coming right down to the wire in a wildly entertaining 48-42 game with Georgia State after Northern Iowa moved up seven spots last week for almost downing Iowa State. But Furman, I get that Georgia State is not ranked. They did come off a win on the road against Tennessee at an SEC school. And so seven spots up for Northern Iowa and only one spot up for Furman. Darren Granger, four touchdowns through the air and a rushing touchdown, too. Seems like they've found their answer at quarterback, as we talked about. Again, though, scratching my head about why Furman is number 16 and not, like, number 12 or 13. Why, why didn't Nichols fall three spots instead of just two spots, and Furman is number 12? I don't know. Jacksonville State, number 17. You mentioned it Monday. A one-score game entering the fourth quarter against Chattanooga, but too much Zarek Cooper. 20 of 26, 344, and two touchdowns. Two big turnovers for Chat. Uh, down, they, they scored with a minute going to third quarter to make it seven. And then they had an opportunity uh, near midfield on a fourth down, didn't convert. Uh, Jacksonville State immediately made him pay. And then down 14, just trying to make something happen. Elvice throw turnover. And then, again, Jacksonville State scored 14 kind of late, short field with chat trying to make something happen. So it wasn't as bad as maybe the 41-20 score indicated, but uh, certainly a big win for Jacksonville State bouncing back after Central Arkansas because there are a lot of people raking them over the coals for that loss. 
Delaware, this is NDSU's opponent this week. They climbed three spots, even though they needed triple overtime to beat a pretty historically average Rhode Island team that has not won a game this year, at least historically average recent history, I should say. Here's SEMO at number 19. Already mentioned their road loss down seven spots, the biggest drop in the poll this week, despite losing to a solid Montana State side. I mean, dropping seven spots, I get that they were... Yeah, third quarter pretty much ruined. Yeah, I mean, one bad quarter, and apparently you're down seven spots. Montana, number 20, up two spots after obliterating North Alabama, 61-17. to 17. Wofford had a bye this week. They host Sanford. They're at number 21. Villanova, number 22, up two spots after cruising against Lehigh. Southeastern Louisiana, number 23. Their game against Bethune-Cookman canceled because of Hurricane Dorian. Bethune-Cookman, by the way, just reopened three days ago after being closed for 10 days. Certainly hope all is well on the campus of Bethune-Cookman now that they've gotten things back on the right track. 24 in the poll is Sam Houston State. 77 to nothing over Oklahoma, Oklahoma Panhandle up one spot. Four touchdowns in their first five minutes. So that was the blowout of the week in the poll. And then number 25, Elon, the only new team in the poll. They entered thanks to a win over Citadel. That makes it both losses for the Bulldogs by exactly a touchdown this year. And now five in the last two seasons. Two of those last year were in the first two weeks as well. So it's close losses, but more importantly, it's close losses very early in the season. And we talk about this week with tone setting for VMI conference play last year. VMI kind of set the tone for ETSU's season. ETSU kind of set the tone for VMI season. Not exactly a positive to be setting your, the tone for your season as Citadel is with one score losses in the first two weeks of the year in back-to-back years. They're three minutes away from being 2-0. Right. And that, that was or, the case last year as well. Well, I, I take that back. They would uh, they're a minute and a half away from winning the first game. They would have been tied, and who knows. But still, they've given up two two go-ahead uh, eventual game-winning touchdowns uh, in the last minute and a half of each. So, very, t- tough for Citadel. And these were losses they had last year. You thought they would be better. They thought they would recuperate. Thought they'd be able to get, get over that. They just have not been able to, to do so. So Central Arkansas up six is the biggest mover up. SEMO down seven, the biggest negative move. Those are the only two teams that move more than three spots in the whole poll and only one new team in the poll. Pretty quiet week. ETSU, by the way, received three less votes this week for the poll but moved up three spots in the receiving most category. Technically right now, they are number 30 in the stats FCS And I think if they win the next two games before they go into Furman, I would assume they would be ranked if they but it's t- this poll. T- yeah, you never know. I mean, you, ne- you never know. But I think if you can beat VMI, uh, you can beat Austin P. You get to that green one mark. There'll be some other losses in there. So, plus, you know, depending on what Wofford and Sanford do. So, good show though, Wade Brenner. Thanks a lot. No fear, play on. The play, play on, on play was on. back. The play on so was back. Friday, we're going to preview the exciting action coming up Saturday. ETSU VMI on another edition of Sanderson Sidekick of the Buccaneer Sports Network. See ya.